Let's read together from the Hutterberg Catechism, Lord's Day 13. Why is he called God's only begotten Son, since we also are children of God? Because Christ alone is the eternal, natural Son of God. We, however, are children of God by adoption through grace for Christ's sake. Why do you call him our Lord? Because he has ransomed us body and soul from all our sins, not with silver or gold, but with his precious blood, and has freed us from all the power of the devil to make us his own possession. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, today we're living in a culture that for the most part denies God's grace. Many people think that it doesn't matter what you believe. They think that as long as you're good and you do your best, you don't hurt anybody, you'll make it to heaven. But that's not what the Bible teaches. It teaches that while God is holy and pure and altogether lovely, we are by nature unholy, impure, and completely unattractive. It teaches that because of our sins, we are subject to God's wrath and condemnation. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death. Yet before we despair, we need to know that God has not left us in our fallen state. Romans 6.23 continues, But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The previous Lord's Days have already touched on that. In Lord's Day 11, we learn that the name Jesus means Savior, that he came to save us from our sins. In Lord's Day 12, we learn that Christ was anointed as our prophet, priest, and king to redeem us, to pay the price necessary to set us free from our sins. Jesus Christ is the only way to the Father. John 14, 6 in John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 6, 29 teaches that what God requires of us is that we believe in him whom he has sent. To believe in Jesus, we need to know who he is. The Apostles' Creed tells us a few more really important things about Jesus. We confess him to be the only begotten Son of God and our Lord. Lord's Day 13 delves into what this means. It focuses on making clear who Jesus Christ is and how that enabled him to fulfill his mission in coming into this world. This afternoon we pay attention to how Jesus is the one and only Son of God and how that impacts our relationship with God. We'll also see why we call him our Lord and what that means for us in our daily lives. I preach to you the gospel this afternoon under the following theme. We draw great comfort from confessing Jesus as the Son of God and as our Lord. As God's Son, he is the firstborn among many brethren, and as our Lord, we are assured of his preserving love. Who is Jesus Christ? 
To answer that question, we need to know something about Jesus' background. Our reading from John 1 provides us with a beautiful statement about Jesus Christ. To introduce him, John says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Thus, John's gospel of the ministry of Christ does not begin with an announcement of Christ's birth to Joseph and Mary. There is no Christmas story with shepherds, angels, and wise men. No preparation for Jesus' adult life and ministry. All John does is take us back to the beginning to remind us that Jesus' life did not begin with his birth in Bethlehem and his life in Nazareth. Jesus lived long before this world was made. In the beginning, he was with God. All things were made through him. Why is this important? Because John wants to make it plain right from the beginning that Jesus is true and eternal God. It's not until John 1 verse 14 that John speaks of Christ coming in human flesh. He says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. In this verse, Jesus is called the only Son, or the only begotten Son, who came from the Father. Again, this term is meant to point out Christ's unique position as God's Son. We confess Jesus to be the only begotten Son of God. On the basis of the testimony of Scripture, we believe that He is the Son of God. Not just any Son, but the only true Son of God. Jesus is unique. He is one of a kind. He alone is the eternal, natural Son of God. Together with the Father, the Son has existed from all eternity. He shares the same nature as God. He is divine. Jesus is not only the Son of God, He's God Himself. This teaching that Jesus is God's eternal Son, who shares in the same nature as God, is confirmed in many places in the Bible. In John 5, we read about the Jews wanting to kill Jesus. They wanted to do this because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own Father, making himself equal with God. Did Jesus back off from his claim? No. Instead, he said that the Father has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. In John 8, 58, Jesus claimed to be eternal, saying, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And in John 17, Jesus prayed, And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory I had with you before the world existed. The fact that Jesus is God's Son is confirmed by the testimony of those who knew him or who came to see him as he really is. John the Baptist testified about who Jesus was, saying, I have seen and borne witness 
that this is the Son of God. Peter confessed his faith in Jesus with these words. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. The Roman centurion and other soldiers who crucified Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened. And they were filled with awe and said, Surely he was the Son of God. John says he wrote his gospel so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Even God himself testified about the identity of Jesus Christ. The Father did that at two different significant moments during Christ's ministry. The first time was at Jesus' baptism. When Jesus was coming up from the water, the heavens opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest upon him. Then a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. The second time was at Jesus' transfiguration, when his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. A bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. We need to believe that Jesus is the only begotten Son of God. You see, beloved, if you don't believe this, you cannot be saved. John makes this really clear in his first letter. He speaks about how many antichrists have come. John explains, saying, Who is the liar? But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. In this passage, John shows how fundamental it is to confess. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. If you deny this, you're the Antichrist. You have no share in the Father. And yet there are many who do not believe that Jesus is the Son of God. They deny that Jesus is the unique Son of God who shares in the same nature as God and is co-eternal with him. The Jehovah Witnesses say that Jesus was a good man whom God adopted as his son. But they deny that Jesus himself is God. Jews and Muslims profess Jesus to be a prophet, but they deny he is God's only begotten son. The other world religions don't even recognize Jesus or profess his name. Within our culture, which has a Christian basis, Jesus is also no longer recognized as anyone important. Many still know the story of the baby Jesus being born in Bethlehem, and that that's the origin of why we celebrate Christmas. But most people don't know why Jesus came into this world. They don't believe what it says in John 3, verse 16, one of the most famous texts in the Bible. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Many people simply don't recognize that they're sinful. 
that they need to be saved from their sins. They think they're pretty good people, and that because of that, God will accept them into heaven. Do you understand why it's so important to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? To believe in Jesus means that you put your trust in him. We know from the Bible we're not to trust in anyone other than God. Psalm 146 tells us, put no trust in princes, in a son of man in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, he perishes. If Christ is not the eternal son of God, you may not worship and adore him. For we are not to worship any creature. That would be idolatry. The reason why we are to believe in Jesus is because he is the Christ, the Son of God. We could not be saved by someone who originated from this world. With the fall into sin of Adam and Eve, mankind and all of creation was plunged into sin and destruction. We needed a power from above to come and save us from the condemnation we deserve. God sent his son into this world for that precise purpose. If salvation was available by some other means, do you think God would have sent his only son to be murdered on a cross? Paul writes in Romans 5 about the incredible love of the Father for us. God showed his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It is while we were his enemies that we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son. The glorious result of that is spelled out for us in Colossians 1, verses 13 and 14. Paul writes that God has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So how can we share in the blessings of being redeemed by Christ? In the passage we read from John 1, John writes about how Jesus came to his own, but his own people did not receive him. Then he says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. This helps to explain how it's possible for us to also be members of God's family. We are received into God's family, adopted as his children by accepting Jesus Christ as our Savior and believing in his name. Galatians 4 speaks about our adoption as children of God. Adoption is a process in which parents choose to take a child and make him their own. Although the child does not naturally belong to the family, they take that child in and give him a place among the rest of their children. That, beloved, is what God does with us. By nature, we were children of wrath, under the dominion of the devil. The law makes it clear to us that we were slaves of sin. You know what does Paul say in Galatians 4? But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of woman, born under law, to redeem those who were under law, 
that we might receive adoption as sons. The writer of Hebrews shows us how we're connected to Christ and his redeeming work. In Hebrews 2 verse 9, he speaks about how Jesus had been crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. He goes on to make the point that it's in this way that Jesus is bringing many sons to glory. He writes that he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one origin. The point he's making is that both Jesus and all who are made holy by him have a common father, God. He concludes that is why he, that is Jesus, is not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. You see, beloved, as we confess in Lord's Day 13, Christ alone is the eternal, natural Son of God. We, however, are children of God by adoption, through grace for Christ's sake. By suffering and dying on the cross, Christ has redeemed and sanctified us. He is the firstborn Son of God, who by his suffering has brought many more children into God's family. We may share in the wonderful privilege of belonging to God, of being part of his family by receiving Jesus as the Christ, the Son of God, by believing in his name. For there is salvation in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. This brings us to our second point. The Apostles' Creed teaches us to confess Jesus as God's only begotten Son and our Lord. We'll consider how, as our Lord, we are assured of his preserving love. The title, Lord, refers to a person who has dominion over others, a master, a chief, a ruler. A Lord is someone who has ownership or possession of something and then exercises authority over it. In many ways, Lord is synonymous with king. The reason why we call Jesus the Lord is because he is our master, our head. We call him Lord because he exercises kingship over this world. But how did Jesus become our master, our Lord? From eternity, Christ has been God's only begotten Son. Yet his lordship is something that he gained through his work as our mediator. Our catechism stresses that fact. It asks, why do you call him our Lord? The answer is because he has ransomed us, body and soul, from all our sins, not with silver or gold, but with his precious blood, and has freed us from all the power of the devil to make us his own possession. The name Lord highlights how our Savior has bought us. He redeemed us. To understand redemption, it's helpful to see what happened at the slave markets in ancient Rome. If you became indebted to someone, you could be sold as a slave. Yet there was always a possibility of being redeemed. If a friend or relative wanted to, they could buy back your freedom. 
Redemption is liberation from slavery. It comes through the payment of a price. When you are redeemed, an acceptable price has been paid for you. And thus, you are set free. Our catechism stresses that Christ is called our Lord because he has ransomed us. He bought us from the slave market. With a fall into sin, our nature became corrupt. We became slaves of sin. Because of mankind's fall into sin, God gave us over to the dominion of Satan. It's a horrible thing to be under the dominion of sin, under the mastery of Satan. Yet we see people all around us living that way. Enslaved by sin. Addicted to all kinds of vices. Walking on a pathway to hell. So many around us are desperately fearful, anxious, depressed, forlorn. They try so hard to find a little happiness in life. But they fail to find any kind of lasting joy. That's what happens when you are without Christ. You get stuck in this downward spiral of misery. So what's the solution? How do we get out from under the bondage of sin and Satan? There's only one way. By believing in Jesus Christ and his redeeming work. Christ has paid the price to ransom us, to make us his own possession. That price was not the most valuable things this world has to offer. Silver or gold. No, the ransom price was Christ's own precious blood. We were sold under sin, but we were bought by the blood of Christ, by the love and the obedience of our Savior on the cross. It's by his willingness to suffer and die for us that Christ has received the name that is above all names. Peter made this clear already in his address on the day of Pentecost. He said, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. It's by his passion and death that Jesus Christ became Lord. He attained the glorious position of being Lord of lords and King of kings. He's the Lord of glory, worthy of our praise and adoration. Paul also connects Christ's lordship to his sacrificial death in Philippians 2. He writes about how Christ became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. The writer of Hebrews says that we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels. Namely Jesus. Crowned with glory and honor. 
We know that Christ has ascended into heaven and he sits on the throne at the Father's right hand. He governs the history of this world. He is the head of his church. He's the one whom we profess to be our Lord, our King. Please note, beloved, that our catechism, our catechism stress on the fact that Christ is not just the Lord or the King. No, he is our Lord, our King. He's ransomed us. He's made us his own possession. Lord's Day 13 echoes the wonderful teaching of Lord's Day 1. What is your only comfort in life and death? That I am not my own, but belong with body and soul, both in life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Note, we belong. Christ has made us his own. Through him we are received as members of God's family. Lord's Day 1 continues, He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and has set me free from all the power of the devil. Christ's redeeming work, paying the price to deliver us from sin and Satan, has made us part of his family, of his church. Lord's Day 1 continues, He also preserves me in such a way that without the will of my heavenly Father, not a hair can fall from my head. Indeed, all things must work together for my salvation. Christ showed his great love for us in being willing to suffer and die for us on a cross. And he did that at a time when we were ungodly, when we were sinners, when we were his enemies. Having bought us and made us his own possession, our Lord will take care of us. We are his. He's promised no one will snatch us from out of his hand. He will guard us and raise us up on the last day. He'll change our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body. Do you believe all that, beloved? That Christ has bought you and made you his own possession? That he will take care of you? that in his boundless love he will preserve you, that you may share in joy and glory with him eternally? If you truly believe that Jesus is your Lord, then you need to worship and adore him. God gave him the name that's above every name, that every knee should bow and every tongue confess, Jesus Christ is Lord. Bowing the knee is a sign of submission. It's recognizing the authority of the person before whom you bow. It involves submitting your heart to your life, to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That's our calling, beloved. Lord's Day 1 says it so beautifully. It speaks of how Christ by his Holy Spirit makes me heartily willing and ready from now on to live for him. If you truly believe that Christ has bought you, then you are his. Your life is Christ's. He has the right of your life. He is entitled to be served by you. 
You're no longer under the mastery of sin and Satan. Jesus Christ is our Lord. And we are to show our gratitude for his redeeming work by living God-pleasing lives. Your eyes are Christ's. You're not to use them to look at dirty things anymore. Your hands are Christ's. You should not use them to break his commandments. Your feet are Christ's. You're not to use them to walk in the ways of sin. Your heart is Christ's. You're not allowed to let anything else govern the direction of your life. As Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 6, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you are bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Beloved, more and more our culture is turning away from the Christian faith. The fact that Jesus Christ is Lord is fervently denied by people all around us. Many use Jesus' name as a curse word. They're proud of the fact that they are in charge of their own lives. And they make it clear that no one else is going to tell them what to do. In our culture, abortion, assisted suicide, and LGBTQ agenda are vigorously supported. And anyone who doesn't get on board are mocked and vilified. Yet we as Christians need to be courageous to bow the knee to Christ and to confess his name. In the early church, Christians were required to confess Caesar as Lord, often at the penalty of death. Yet even if it costs in their lives, many professed Jesus as Lord. The question that you face this afternoon is this. Are you willing to confess Jesus as Lord? It's a question we face daily as we're confronted with temptations to sin and pressures to compromise. Am I willing to submit my heart and my life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? Beloved, don't be afraid. Christ loves you. He bought you and made you his own. He can and he will look after you. Confess Jesus as God's Son and as your Lord. Do it with confidence. Remember Christ's words in Matthew 10, 32 and 33. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. Love the Lord Jesus and serve him with your whole life, that you may be assured of his preserving love and care over you in this life and of reigning with him eternally in the life to come. Amen.